Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Joining us today on the show to share his journey with us is a man who exemplifies what it means to lead by example. He's a master fitness coach who practices his craft at his business, Ardent Fitness, which he created as an answer to the multitude of challenges athletes were facing in typical fitness programs. He also flows his coaching into the realms of mindset, transformation, and more, and is also an expert in the realms of public speaking, entrepreneurship, and men's work, where he guides men in reclaiming confidence in the mind and body to overcome the rat race. With all of that being said, please give me a hand in welcoming Chase Tolson to the show. Chase, my man, what is up? You have the intros nailed. <laughs> right? That's that's a role model status on the intros. Thank you, bro. And you know, for everyone listening, uh, there's been a few episodes I've done at the lake house, and so Chase and I are out right now looking at a beautiful lake. We've had a great couple days. We're going to have a nice little fun get-together tonight, and uh, it's just been a great time, man. It's been amazing to be able to share space with you. I met you the first time back at the last Lake House Chronicles, and immediate unit status was made, and uh, dude, I'm so glad to be here with you, man. Very glad. I'm, I'm so glad we got to reconnect. Thank you for uh, bending the rules and buying tickets for two weekends. Yes. And coming to the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 20 minutes into the first time we met, we were having million dollar ideas yes you know literally and it has continued here and the lake house conversations binary speak acknowledge always amaze yes yeah there are times where and we'll get into this i'm sure where things like binary language or negations or projections you can own that right by saying like either binary strategic if you're talking about binary or binary acknowledge accepted like mm-hmm. i've really got into that that whole mindset because for me language isn't necessarily something where i omit things right oh that's a bad word it's just more so like hey this word can rob your power when you're using unconsciously so i'm noticing and saying it out loud that i recognize i'm using that and i'm using it consciously and directly that's a beautiful way to articulate that because Mm -hmm. if we dive into you know the words being the energy we use and everything being built off energy and sound then Mm -hmm. yeah we can use some of that stuff as long as it has the venom taken out of it Yes. Yes. Well, think about it this way, right? Even some venoms can be cures, right? So Mm -hmm. in that way, you're making the venom into the cure, right? As the creator, you're saying, hey, you know what? I realize the way this word has been used in the past and I'm the creator and I can create whatever I want. So this word is now going to mean this because I'm using it consciously and responsibly, right? (laughs) The venom is the cure. Yes. That's story work in a nutshell. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I find so many people get challenged, right? Like I'm teaching this cannabis program right now. And one of the big challenges a lot of people have is they come to me with anxiety, right? Thinking that it's it's something that's wrong, right? Or something they shouldn't be feeling, right? To should all of themselves, mm-hmm. right? And what I've found, right? And this is the same in anything, right? Is that more than likely the quote unquote problem problem is also the solution, right? So like when someone's facing anxiety, they, and I know this from my own personal experience, when I was experiencing anxiety, I wanted to try to find things to run from it. And when I thought about therapy or coaching, whatever, it was like, oh, it was going to help me get away from it. It's like, no, it's going to help you look directly into it and find the solution that is lurking within that's always there if we choose to look at it that way. So many people try to move past their past and in doing so they walk around it uh, without realizing that there's a chain tied to that and they're dragging it. You have yes. to move through it. Yes. Yeah. 
the best way out is through, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll just make this like 60 minutes of analogies. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, Chase, love language, my love language is analogies, you know? And yes. so, you know, I jokingly say that, but actually, you know, repeating that so often as a mantra, I really feel like the universe is like, all right, throw more downloads, throw more analogies. It is hilarious how those come out and and i love the land so well so <laughs> yeah that's I, i've been referred to as a, a mic drop king with the analogies yes. so that's why we get along so well man you know <laughs> so we finish each other's sentences yeah perfect sandwiches? See, we're, yeah yeah <laughs> sandwiches maybe you know depending on you know what state of mind we're we might finish each other's sandwiches too you know? well might couple bags deep, you know, bags. <laughs> yes, we definitely finish each other's bags on a hundred percent. So man, you know, I'm so excited to have you on and to talk about so many amazing things like we were just talking about. And I love to give a little bit of background of how you got into mindset work and really how, especially as a man, right. And when we're talking about men's work in this episode, how you got into working with men, right? Because I feel for me, this was a big calling. You know, when I got into coaching, it was all of a sudden immediately, like I realized as a man, what challenges men are running into. And so I found it so therapeutic and fulfilling to be able to work with men. And so I'm curious if you had a similar experience and that's what got you into it, or there was another avenue. What took you there? Mindset work was instilled from a young age mm. to a degree. Mm. My father said from, from the way back, if you let them get to you, they've already won. Yes. And we could break that down and find the, the way that we could reframe that. There's value there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was... That was always there. That was there in my head. And I got out of the Navy in 2014, disenfranchised with a broken leadership system and decided I wanted to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll open a gym. I'm going to change people's lives, get them healthy. And cool. The business was my boss for the first few years. Mm. And when I took control of my language and I flipped it and decided that I was the boss and it was, it's my gym and I get to do it and how I want to. And truly started doing that as opposed to operating out of a place of fear, mm. life got easier. Mm. Now, when I was in that place of fear, there was a night when I shut down the gym, lights were off, and I laid down my back on a bench and bawled, dude. I was like, what am I doing? Where are my friends? All my buddies are still in the Navy. The ones that aren't are living a lifestyle that doesn't align with what I'm doing right now. Who am I? Dark night of the soul. It's dark night of the soul, brother. And coming out of that, I found... uh the barbell shrugged episode that Mark talks about all the time, mm. January, 2017. And I went through vocabulary with their discount code twice back to back. And I instilled that for a few years and it allowed me to start owning some of my wins. And I started realizing that guys were telling, literally telling me like, yeah, I want to do what you do. Like mm. I look up to you. You're a role model. Like you have your shit together. I'm like, hmm. Well, then I started feeling called because if they see that in me mm. and I'm in a spot where they want to be like, yeah, I've learned some cool shit about, around the way. Let's get that out to the masses. Yeah. Uh, about a year ago, I get in, introduced to the Enlifted system. We have Mark England <laughs> on the podcast at the gym and at the end of the call, I'm like, hey, what is this Enlifted thing? He's like, oh, let's hop on a call. And we take a one-on-one call together and he goes, this is the samurai sword of personal development. You will, mm-hmm. you will wield it like a master. Uh, it's my job to recognize skill and you'll be able to do this. And it was interesting the way the universe works. One of my clients had told me to backtrack a couple of years that it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love Quentin Tarantino movies. So we're in good graces here. <laughs> um, she had told me a couple of years back, you should start a blog. 
I started that blog and then someone else who had been a client said, Hey, I do PR for people. You could be a speaker. Like you're putting out good stuff. And there was still a disconnect there. There was something that was missing. And it was one, moving past my imposter syndrome. And two, gaining the tools to affect true change. So a lot of people are out there talking about this stuff. What's, what's the know-how? How do we affect the change? Mm. And when I got into and lifted, it's like, oh, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> so now the way that I work with men to wrap that story in a nice little bow, I'm a fitness guy. And I believe that our meat suit needs to be fine-tuned to hold the energy and have energy flow through it. Mm. Have an understanding of movement so that your body can respond in kind when you ask a favor of it. Yeah, it's a vessel. It's a vessel. Yeah, it's the vessel. You will operate with enough strength to do what you want to do in life, range of motion to be comfortable and live pain-free. Yes. And when you do that, the inner work for myself and the type of men I work with becomes easier mm -hmm. because your nervous system is more down-regulated easier. Your nervous system is more resilient to handle other stress. Mm. So then we layer in the mindset work and the language work, and it is freedom, and you're the guy with the stash. Mm. You are the plug for freedom. Mm. That is amazing, man. And, you know, I wrote a note about, you know, what you were talking about, about how your dad said, if, if they get to you, you've already lost, right? Or they've already won. And it's very interesting right now in the world with so many people getting offended over things, right? And, and thinking that in, in some way saying that they're offended is going to help, but no one's going to come save you, right? And that's again, like I've been here too. I've thought the whole world was against me and it wasn't, right? And at the same time, when you go out into life thinking that there's a bad guy, right? Or some side, you know, again, like the us versus them mentality. Life is going to present you with situations to compound that effect because you're putting that energy out, right? And that's where language work and these things can be so powerful because what it does is actually allow you to realize like, oh, language is a vessel to create my reality. And if I'm not using it consciously and responsibly, then I actually am going to be manifesting things that are not in alignment for my highest and greatest good. And that is when we end up having midlife crises, uh, you know, regrets on our deathbed, all of these things. Yet, if we can get a handle on those things in this life while we're still alive, then we have the ability to live a life fully lived. And especially, you know, for men, I mean, we're known to throw so much on our shoulders. Just this morning, we were getting a presentation from Eric about, you know, this, this stat always scares me too, right? That men over 40 have on average zero people they can talk to when things get rough, right? Yeah. And then you wonder... You know, men, especially like now that we're changing the stigma on, you know, the whole idea of crying and all these things, which literally, you know, I heard my buddy Angelo talk about this and I love giving him credit because give credit where credit's due. And, you know, he says crying is emotional ejaculation, right? So we all like mm. value this like ejaculation from sex, but we don't think about it in the same way when we're crying, right? It's an emotional ejaculation. And when you can, especially as men, right? I'm talking to men here. When you can reframe it that way and think of it less as crying, right? Crying to cry and then allowing it to be that energy is flowing through you and you're allowing your vessel to clean itself so you have available space, like you said, to relax the nervous system mm -hmm. and get get more out of life. I mean, just the other day, I was talking with Adam Chin about this, how I believe that our nervous system is directly linked to our ability to raise our consciousness. Because think about it, when you're high strung, right, when you're like, you know, really high strung, you're more likely to fall out of the four agreements, right, yes. which is, you know, do your best, don't take things personally, don't make assumptions and be impeccable with your word. 
And what they say, what Don Miguel Ruiz says is when you fall out of those agreements, you enter your own personal hell. Hell is created in the mind, right? And so it's very interesting that when you get relaxed through meditation, whatever, you're able to fall into those agreements more because you're less likely to react. You're more likely to respond to situations and then you can rise to heaven. Heaven is a place on earth. I believe it's a famous song that said that. How's it taking so long to catch on? (laughs) Yes. Great. So many great points in there. There's a through line Mm. that that I'm witnessing and seeing the men over 40 that don't have anyone to turn to. Mm. And if they're in hell in their head, all they're going to see are demons. Exactly. Who wants to talk to a demon? Exactly. You have to, you find heaven within yourself Mm -hmm. and you have to be comfortable talking to and about yourself. Yes. Before you'll ever open up to anyone. In architect language too, right? Yes. Now like, oh, I always suck at that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, ugh. I want to change that around. You want to cast that spell? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You will find reasons to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And when we find reasons to believe things that are bad about us, then it compounds and we will prove ourselves true and then we'll believe worse things. And the next thing you know, you just had a shit run of luck for the last 10 years when really you were misunderstanding that you're a super powerful wizard and you were accidentally casting black magic. Yes. And this was one of the most frustrating things for me because I started to gain awareness and start to go, you know, maybe soft talk knowledge, maybe there's something there. But the thing that really scared me was I had this whole story that if I decided that, okay, I'm in control of this and I believe this stuff about language, then I all of a sudden have to take responsibility for everything in my life happening, quote unquote, to me was actually because of me, right? It wasn't, I didn't have a villain. There was no one doing things to me. It was me putting myself in my own personal hell by taking things personally, not doing my best, not being impeccable with my word and making sure I was casting white magic rather than black magic. And that was a lot of quote unquote responsibility. And the funniest thing about that is Terrence McKenna has a quote. It's a long quote, but the end of it is basically like, this is how you do it by hurling yourself into the abyss and realizing on the other side is a feather bed. And so it's like, yes, that will really suck for about five minutes. Like, yep, take ownership of the fact that everything that happened in your life was, was a result of how you perceived it happened. Right. And then from there you go, okay, well, if I was responsible for all that, that means I have all the power to change it. Right. Binary language, very strategic there, you know, and and so that's where I feel a lot of men specifically that I've met and I imagine you met are, they're just on the border of like, oh, I don't want to have to admit that I was wrong, right? Because <laughs> like who enjoys doing that? But it's actually, it's just the same thing as talking and listening. Many people want to get into a conversation to be the talker. But if you can be the listener, you have the real power there. Because how many people are yearning to get talked to versus how many people are yearning to be listened to? There's, yes, the difference between a conversation and an argument is whether or not you're listening to what the person says. Yes. It is not tone of voice. Yes. And a lot of people go through life walking on gravel and they deal with it. Mm-hmm. When they could walk over coals for 10 yards <laughs> to lay on their feather bed. Yes. Yeah. And if you do the Tony Robbins mindset stuff, you won't even feel the coals. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't done a firewalk yet for anyone listening, but that may happen. We have to do it together. That'd be a Let's, cool masculine thing. When to we do. put together our summer camp for adults. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the amazing ideas that Chase and I came up with this time is a summer camp for adults. Now, anyone listening, how much, if you went to camp, did you enjoy it? Right. And I'm talking like, this is the real fun idea is having men and women together, yet they're separate 
right throughout most of the most of the days and then together they come at night uh to come together at night and the men are doing men's work right they're also doing like nerf gun battles and hilarious fun stuff to accentuate play but they're also like really doing fun stuff and then when they get with the women they're more present to be providers and responsible and support systems for the women to be able to go wild and have fun right and that's like what I believe, you know, obviously talking to Rachel a lot and working with a lot of women is what women are yearning for out of men is just to feel supported and lead the conversation, right? Like salsa dancing, right? Yes. Salsa dancing only works right if the male leads because then the female can do whatever. But if that man doesn't give that opportunity or doesn't have that opportunity to lead, then the woman's like, what are we doing here? I don't get what we're doing, right? And there's an art to a dance, right? Yes. So there's, I feel men by and large are an extreme. They're mm-hmm. either lock their power away and mm-hmm. they're scared to lead the dance or they're muscling their way through it and stepping on their partner's toes. And they're, they're creating this uh, circus and hurting their partner because they're not leading they're forcing. Yes. You know, so it's in controlling that power and learning to harness that flame. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that to what you said, the play, how many guys are taking life so seriously and with, themselves so seriously. Yes. With a puckered butthole. Yeah. <laughs> credit Mark England. Yes. And leaving play out of the equation. It's, you know, so we put that back in that we find our balance. We find our inner child and yes. we can live. Absolutely. And not merely exist, right? Because there's a difference. You know, life is not an observation sport. You get to go live it, right? We'll change out have to to get to. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found specifically with play is that, a lot of this I can imagine for especially any men listening, I, I imagine women, I'm not a woman, so I can't cast that or project that. But I imagine for m- many men listening, they're thinking, yeah, you know, guys, this sounds great, this whole play thing, but I'm busy. I'm running a business. I don't have time to play, right? And this is the thing that really was exactly where I was at. And I imagine where you were at, right? You're running a business. All of this can be looked at as 100% accurate. You are running a business. That business does take a lot of time, right? That there are things you have to do quote unquote, right? You get to do whatever. Yeah. Yet what I didn't realize was how much I was burning myself out by living that way. And so, yes, you can choose to live life that way. And maybe you'll get a couple extra hours in your workday and maybe you'll crush it for a couple months, maybe even a year. Right. But at what point is that going to become unsustainable? And if you're looking for longevity, if you're trying to create a legacy that you leave behind that out exists to you, then for me, the only option was, okay, I'm in a dark night of the soul. This whole doing like 16 hour work days and just go, go, going is not working for me. And so then obviously through the myriad of different programs I went into and especially in Lifted, I started realizing like, okay, what if I on Saturdays, I give myself time to play because mm-hmm. really the, the, the theory here was that I didn't have time. But then when I actually started clocking my time, I realized, well, I have enough time to scroll through my phone for on average two or three hours a day, right? So is it not that I don't have enough time or that I'm not prioritizing my time in a way that's best suited for my higher self to come through, right? And my full experience of life to come through. And so what I started doing was scheduling an hour of play on Saturday, right? And I would play Can Jam, which we know and love well, mm-hmm. Uno, uh, I'd ride bikes and, and my productivity went through the roof and I started getting stuff a lot quicker, like financial goes, things like that. And none of it makes logical sense. And that's going to be the most challenging part for any man listening is that all of what we're talking about here is right brain. And we're so left brain, right? We're structured, we're rigid, and that's fine. But if we forget that a lot of life doesn't have to make sense, it's not our, it's not our, it's not our 
purpose to understand what's happening in life. It's our purpose to notice trends and go with it. So for anyone listening, try scheduling an hour playing and see what happens because I know it was powerful for me and Chase it was powerful for you. Very powerful. You know, let go to gain control. Yes. You're white knuckling your way through life and uh, you go through going down the freeway and somebody cuts in front of you when you're white knuckled, stiff armed, it's going to, you're either going to overcorrect and go into the wall or you're going to hit them because you're going to freeze up. Yes. And when you can let go and gain control. And to your point about logical, when you're on, before you find your right brain and your play and your balance, it seems illogical, that mm-hmm. idea. And then once you find it and you realize it, oh, that's the only logic. Uh, yeah. It's like, I might not know, I might not be able to quantify or measure these things, right? But then again, we all love someone, yet we can't tell you how many units of love we have for that person. So the thing that makes life most living that we all agree upon exists, we cannot measure, right? And so for anyone listening, that's the point I love to make because for me, that really created a cognitive shift in me. I'm like, oh, so the most powerful thing in the whole entire universe, love, we can't measure at all, right? I mean, maybe heart math has some quantifiable measures, but you know, you can't tell tell someone in exact units how much you love one person versus the next. Yet, why are we not applying that to the rest of our life? Like, yeah, intuition, clairvoyance, clear audience, all these things that we all have access to when our nervous system is downregulated, right? Which again, mm-hmm. to, to really like, that blew my mind when I had that the nervous system slash consciousness correlation there because it, it reigns true. I mean, you get it. That That's why fitness helps with finding yourself so much. Yes. When you can create more resiliency in your nervous system. Yes. You can you can create the ability to downregulate and the ability to have more capacity to handle more stressors that might upregulate other people easier. Then you can stay in a place where you're tapped into yourself, to your highest self, source consciousness, whatever it be that you want to term. You can yes. stay tapped into that. Yes. And that's when life gets really fun because then you bring what you do in meditation out into your daily life and you realize, oh, I don't need to necessarily lay down for 30 minutes to reach this, right? It of course helps. And I love meditating. It's actually one of my favorite things. Now I used to dread it because I was such a go, go, go person that I was like, do you know how many things I could be doing right now? Mm -hmm. And now I realize I'm like, I'm so excited. And I give myself a full hour now. Like, and, and for anyone listening, it's like, what life do you want to live? That can be a scary question to ask yourself, right? If you could be unreasonable, right? Which is a subject I want to get into you about, about being unreasonable in general. But if you can be unreasonable, if you had, if this is a way I love to frame it to my clients, if you had a hundred million dollars in your bank account right now, what would your life, what would you choose your life to look like from here on out? Because that allows most people to start going right brain. Because the one thing that keeps us, most of us left brain, at least I know this from working with clients and myself Mm. is money, right? Yes. And so hypothetically speaking, if you had the money thing figured out, What would your life look like? Would you be working 16 hour days? Probably not. And if you were, it would be probably a different type of work than you're doing right now. It'd be adult summer camp for us. Yeah. It wouldn't be a job. It would be a call. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It would be what you chose to do for play. Yeah. Yeah. A job is what you're paid to do. A calling is what you're made to do. Yes, dude. I love that, dude. And we're going to do a bones on that one. Fist bump. Yeah, man. That's beautiful. You you know, the whole, I'd love to get in you on this, the whole concept of being unreasonable with the universe, right? When you really start learning, or at least for me, when I started learning, like how unreasonable I could literally be again, like a child, for instance, doesn't have reason. And so they'll say like, mom, dad, do we have a hundred million dollars? And the dad's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? We have a hundred million dollars, but that to that kid, it's just a question, right? There's no reason there. It's just, you know, why not? Why? Right. They're just curious. And so I'm curious for you, 
how you've been able to take the whole idea of being unreasonable and apply it to any aspect of your life, whether it be your fitness, whether it be your business, whether it be your relationship, whether it be anything. Like, how have you taken that on un- be unreasonable and lead it into your life? Great question. And that's, that goes far back. Yeah. We'll, we'll use preparing for a buds contract with the Navy, one that I eventually didn't get because of a legal thing. When I ran a mile before I started getting ready for this, it would be like a 12 minute mile. If I was lucky, I would run two miles and 13 minutes, 30 seconds with a pack on my back, swim for like half an hour and then run home, same distance and do calisthenics in the garage. So I was blue in the face. You know, I had mm-hmm. a traditional like bodybuilding background up mm-hmm. until then. And from that, the, the achieving the fitness goals to going into the Navy and staying up for 36 hours on end, working on engines. There was always, I mean, my parents and a lot of people's parents said this and I bought into it and like, you can do whatever you want to. You know, my parents believed it when they said it. So when I decided there was something I wanted to do, it got done and carry that over into fitness. I started getting into weights that are by no means negation knowledge, competitive powerlifting, Olympic lifting weights. They are big for gen pop. Mm. And to me, I was like, yeah, whatever. There's 500 pounds on the bar. I'm just going to pick it up. That's just what I do. Yeah. And other people are like, you pick up 500 what? Yeah. You You can't do that. Yeah. You got to train for that. You got to do all these other things first. Exactly. You know, so unreasonable to me, if you frame it as unreasonable in your mind and you believe it's unreasonable, it will be, and it'll it'll be unfolded at the seams. Mm -hmm. So while others might see your goals and your lifestyle and the things you're going to do as unreasonable, when you believe in it and you buy into it, it's, it's reason Mm -hmm. it is your reason yeah you can actually hack reason like because that's the thing right it's like you know i just got like a video game analogy there right where you know reason is this thing right that we talked about in the beginning can block you right but if you can recalibrate your version of reason to be like anything is reasonable right i think that's actually an even better definition it's like make everything that's a possibility reasonable right that way your left brain is like well if anything's reasonable then this checks out right and then your right brain's like let's go experience it you made a great point with uh children and mm. like, nothing's unreasonable to them and then what changes it's like i'll go there education mm-hmm. media the stories from our parents and past generations that have been built by that same system mm-hmm. like hey here's the reason uh, learn all the capitals of all 50 states but don't learn anything about how your words affect you. Yeah. Pythagorean theorem, right? This will come in real handy this Pythagorean theorem season. Right. <laughs> this Pythagorean it's like, why not taxes, guys? Yeah. <laughs> taxes. Yeah. The basics of homeownership, you know, things that will help. And it's been in John Taylor Gatto's book, Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling. He talks that the whole K, to, K through 12 education in America could be done in like 180 hours. It's so true. Yeah. And, you know, the way I've always seen it is they're really just getting you ready to be a factory worker and a worker bee. I mean, you literally answer to bells. It right? is. Like, and as soon as you ask to break out of that system, you're seen as unreasonable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like you're not going to have a life if you don't go to college. Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. You're going to spend 12 years in this brick building inside of it for eight hours a day. You're going to go there. You're going to do as they say. You're going to eat your food there. And then when you come home, we want you to continue doing tasks that you learn from there. Okay, cool. That is designed to create worker bees and yes. uh, monolithic corporations and factories. Do as you're told. Don't question it. Right. Which is part of the reason that I struggled in school. Mm-hmm. Because I get A's on your tests. 
I'm not going to write your paper. Yes. Yeah. I know the material. Yes. And I will prove that I know the material. And when I'm at home, I'm going to be doing what I want to do. Yes. Which during high school was driving fast cars and smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> yes. Amen. And dude, Paul Check's famous for saying this, and it's one of the most accurate quotes I've ever heard, which is don't let your schooling get in the way of your education. Ooh. And it's, I mean, it hits deep, right? Because what is school? If we're going to look at it like that, what is it? It's, it's simply programming. Now, I'm not getting into conspiracy theory saying they're programming the wrong stuff, but it's one version's one person's version or a multitude of people's version who have held power of what you should get programmed with, what is going to be most useful. If we look at it from a purely like they're doing their best with the information they have. Mm-hmm. you know, standpoint, yeah. not casting them as a villain. And so at that rate, I mean, how outdated just, just, just that aspect of education, it's simply outdated, right? If we choose to look at it just from like a, it's not bad or good. It's just like, what is it neutrally? Well, it's outdated, right? Like a lot yeah. of the information there is no longer applicable to, uh, I mean, like for instance, you know, I've heard about things like common core math and these things. And it's like, what is the actual point of that? Is that actually useful in life? Average literacy has went down since compulsory education started. Mm. There's a colloquialism, a longer one out there. I guess colloquialism would be like fish in a barrel. There's mm. a a saying out there, a story yeah. about going through school and doing all the work and making honor roll and going through college and getting the degree. And then one day you'll open a book and start your education. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. You know, I know this from, you know, being a musician, the more rules you learn, the more confined you are, right? The best guitar players are the ones that really never learned the rules. They made their own rules, right? They picked up some that might've been from the other, you know, way of teaching, but they use it. They used a right-handed strat, flipped it over, strung it upside down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it became like the absolute legend of this whole entire generation, you yes. know, or multiple generations. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really funny how that works. And you know, we talk about people like Mike Bledsoe. I mean, he dropped out of school. I mean, you think he was homeschooled actually his whole life, which it makes sense. I mean, when you meet people that are, when, when I've met people that are homeschooled, it's immediately apparent like, oh, you were set up for much more success if their parents trained them in a certain way, right? Or programmed them in yes. a certain way. It's like you're programming a new computer and someone tells you to put 18 uh, virus softwares on there. So it might be like good intentions, right? We want them to be really protected. But how long does that boot your take to boot your computer up every time when 18 programs have to run before you can click on the damn internet and just go search for what you needed to get an answer for? <laughs> you and know, how many of those programs are going to tell you to not even open the browser because there may be dangers out there? Yes, exactly. That's, yeah. Yes. Thanks for the layup there. Dude, thank you, man. That was, that was like, I mean, that was like a basketball analogy. I don't know basketball well enough to pick two players out that would do that, but whatever those players are for anyone listening, just use your imagination. You know, (laughs) that's another thing. I thought of that to pull it back when you're talking about the time. Mm. How much time do most men spend watching sports or (sighs) betting on sports or creating fantasy teams? Yes. And they say that they don't have time for Fitness, self-development, self-awareness, meditation. Well, when you stay up watching Sunday night football till 10 o'clock, drinking a 12-pack, and then you sleep in on Monday, and then you're weak shot because you're still, that alcohol has dominoed until Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, socially acceptable poison. And that's another thing. (laughs) Rabbit hole. Yeah, that's a whole other rabbit hole. (laughs) It's, It's this thing that's been normalized and pushed as this accepted poison. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're at a social gathering. Have a drink. Mm-hmm. Dude, my conversation skills go down exponentially with each drink I have. 
I felt that exact same thing. And I was so confused growing up when I started going to clubs because, you know, at that rate, at that point, I had stories about plant medicines. I wasn't interacting with like any MDMA or anything like that. And so when I'd go to a club, I'd just have some drinks. And I, you know, of course you hear about movies and ads, whatever, liquid courage, all this stuff. I'm like, I just get tired and I get like a stomach ache when I interact with alcohol. And, you know, I really feel as though you can look at tobacco, cannabis, alcohol is all the same thing. Not necessarily bad, especially for alcohol, right? And tobacco, because those are looked at as, you know, yeah. quote unquote bad. They're not necessarily bad, but also why are you doing it? Are you running away from something or are you happening to maybe celebrate, have a recognition ritual? And then what is the quality of the medicine essentially that you're interacting with? Right. And so like, if you're going to drink alcohol, right, then, cause again, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, and I know you are too, no binary. It's not like you should yeah. never drink alcohol. It's not like you can never have fun drinking, but it's what I enjoy is, a good bourbon. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, but why are you doing it? You know, are you, did you have a shit day and this is the thing you're using to escape? Or are you genuinely happy and someone's like, hey, do you want to interact with this? And you're like, hmm, check in. Yeah, that'd be fun. You know, I'm hanging out with some friends. Let's do it. Not because I need to, but because it's cu I'm curious and let's do it, right? It's the energy around it that really makes it what it is. Yes. And you can extrapolate that out into so many hobbies and fitness. Yes. Are you running away from yourself in the gym? Because yes. most people are treating the gym like an alcoholic treats a bottle of tequila. <laughs> yes. I was one of those. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I, I would roll through knee pain. I would bench press over 300 with shoulder pain because no days off grind yeah. till you, you know, and it's such a broken, broken mindset around fitness. The scarcity of trainers. They're like, Oh, everybody's going to take my clients. Mm -hmm. There are 7 billion people in this world. Yeah. And even if you have zero access to the internet, you live in a town of 5,000 people. I'm sure there are clients for you. Absolutely. And then it's operating out of a place of fear. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be skinny. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be laughed at when I take my shirt off. You know, I, I'm sick of feeling this. People operate out of these. I don't, I, I'm sick of this. I yeah, don't want this. Running away from what they don't want. Yeah. As opposed to, I want to feel vital. Mm -hmm. You know, people, a lot of people still that have great mindset stuff work with goals for their fitness. Like, Hey, I'm, this is my thing. This is my thing. My current pain-free, great body composition. Holding skeletal muscle mass as I get into my mid thirties and I can still get my dick hard. Yes, dude. 100%. Yeah. You check all those boxes and your fitness is serving you. Yes. And you have quantifiable measures too, mm -hmm. right? Like one of the biggest things that is an immediate indicator of health is do you wake up erect, right? Yeah. Like as a man, right? You should if you got a quality night's sleep. Yep. And that, that is a clear sign right there of like, Am I in the fitness, you know, scenario, am I ready to train heavy, right? Am I ready to train and go a little bit harder? If you don't wake up having that, that might be a clear sign if you don't have an aura ring or a whoop or any of these, you know, devices that, hey, you know what? Let's check in. How do I feel otherwise? When I wake up like that, I can tell right away, yeah, I am a little burned out. Today's a recovery day. And then the pattern I used to fall into is the same one you did. Well, you know, if I take a day off, someone might get in front of me, right? And mm -hmm. and this was something that I glorified in myself for so long, right? Like, I'll die on the treadmill next to you because I'll go harder, right? And then it was like, well, what experience of life am I getting in doing that and thinking that I have to beat everyone and be better than everyone? It's just, it's such a broken mindset. It's, yeah, you're projecting your self-worth onto whether or not you're stronger or faster than someone else because you're scared of looking inside. Exactly. It's, and I want to, I would like to diverge into those wearables. Yeah. To me, the wearables are like tracking macros mm -hmm. and tracking macros, uh, macronutrients, protein, fat, carbs. 
over the long term is broken and will create a disordered relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Just the same. I own a whoop band. I own an aura ring. I make it a point to go months without wearing them. And then I'll put one on for a few weeks to check in. Because if you live and die by that data, like those things are cool and they're not fully accurate. Yeah. They're taking the right brain, like qualitative experience of how you feel out of the equation. Exactly. Sorry how you feel. This is what's actually true. Learn, learn which foods agree with your body, what fuel you best. And just the same, learn what recovery practices, the sleep, whether or not you wake up erect. And how training sessions feel when you feel certain ways. Yes. And when you can dial that in, a coach who's like, oh, yeah, I don't believe in tracking macros. But, hey, pay attention to your whoop data. (laughs) I feel that's a a bit hypocritical. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, this is perfect because what we're talking about, and this might not be the intention. It wasn't my intention. But really, it's it's not taking responsibility for your actions, right? So Mm. you're buying buying a whoop band because you don't have the ability or capability to just ask yourself and check in. How am I feeling? What am I journaling? Am I journaling from like a lot of like, this sucks, my day sucks, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, that might be a clue that maybe I need more play. Maybe I need more, you know, time with friends. Maybe I need more community. Maybe I need more purpose or why in my life, especially if you're a man, that's the highest thing thing that we live for is purpose and freedom. Right. And so, you know, it's very interesting because just like you were just talking about, you know, a lot of people want to take the responsibility of being a sovereign being and put it on other things, you know, Oh, I'll just track my macros and I'll figure it out. Well, what happens one day when you're just like, I don't feel like eating this much food. Do you power through it and say, Nope, this is how much I'm going to do. So I power through it. Or do you check in and go, maybe this isn't working. And what's the story you tell yourself if you fall off those macros? Yes. Yeah. And, oh, well, it's broken. And you have, you haven't instilled the habits. The, I drink enough water. I chew my food 30 times each bite. I have vegetables on every plate and I eat enough protein and fiber. Like right there. You guys want a world class diet right there and put your utensil down between each bite. Yes. And one of the most, like, since we're jumping down the rabbit hole of food, one of the biggest challenges is, Go paleo, bro, or go keto, or go carnivore, or go vegan, or go vegetarian. It's like, how about find out what works for you, experiment, and then when you find something that works, just journal about how you feel about it, right? Or not even journal, just write down like good or bad. But you don't have to get into a journal for those that aren't ready to do that. Just, you know, Paul Check talks about the rotation diet. And this has been so incredible for me because, you know, for instance, I enjoy bananas, but bananas do not enjoy me, right? And so like, and so that was something I found because, you know, I was eating bananas daily because it was like carbs, you know, I got to get gains as silly as that sounds. This yep. is like actually where I was coming from. Been there. And, and, and it was like every single food item a day counts. Well, now what I do is I focus on taking enzymes, which allow me to get the biggest absorption of everything that I eat. I make sure that I'm checking on my gut and healing any parasites or bacterial infections that I have that are causing me leaky gut. And then from there, I check in with like, okay, how do I feel after a meal? Because the way you should feel is energized. You shouldn't feel like, you know, that Thanksgiving dinner feel. There's a reason that happens, right? It's not because it's good, right? Like, (laughs) and not to put a good or bad label on it, but it's just, it just is right. Like, yeah, it's fine to do that. Again, like we're talking about with alcohol or anything. It's fine to do that on Thanksgiving. Like I will overeat on Thanksgiving and, and be okay with being tired. Yep. But if that's every meal of your life, then there's something to look at. Right. And so this is what we're talking about. Use discernment. Okay. There's sometimes where, yeah. I'll, I'll go for the most organic cookies I can find, but also I'm going to eat the cake and have fun, right? Yes. There's a time for that. What would someone who loves themselves do? That question I ask myself all the time. Food is fuel. And yes. you should feel, you should feel fueled after every time you eat. You know, what I see in this whole food paradigm is once again, the same trend we're seeing of people not wanting to take responsibility for the fact that like, Hey, 
You might not be able to just go, okay, I'm paleo now and it's going to work fine. You might have to actually dig in and go, maybe I enjoy grains, but only sometimes. Maybe I enjoy only these grains, right? So maybe I'm not completely paleo, but I have this side of it, right? And again, it's like, yeah, it stings for five minutes. You figure it out. And then the other side of that is all the freedom in the world. Yeah. That's uh, food assimilation. You can count all the macros you want. Mm. And if your body is not uptaking to your point about the enzymes, Mm -hmm. your body isn't uptaking this food, well... That's why you're, there's people out there that have hired nutrition coaches and this coach gives them macros and the coach never asks about their stool is on the Bristol stool scale. Yes. And unless you're somewhere close to a four out of seven on the Bristol stool scale, then you need to work on that first. Why is your gut pissed off? Yes. Yeah. 100%. And you know, that's something that bears repeating, right? Because for most people, we all like I'm binary language strategic, Mm -hmm. a lot of us have parasites and bacterial infections like H. pylori, things like that. And so you could be eating things that at one point were perfect for your diet and then you start noticing them changing. And that's where it gets really challenging, right? And that's why I feel, you know, not to get down another whole rabbit hole, but let's go. Yeah, let's go. Like things like the amp coil and frequency healing and bioresonance machines and rife machines, these things are so incredible because they can be a good baseline for you, right? You check in and they brings up parasites and you're like, oh, okay, my body is in resonance with the vibration or energy or frequency of parasites. What does that mean? It means that either I have parasites or it's about to happen. I have a breeding ground set for parasites. Okay, so why is that happening? What's my acidity, my alkalinity? What foods am I eating? Am I eating a lot of raw fish? Things like that. You know, did I go to a third world country recently? Like, did I go out of the country somewhere that maybe, you know, especially like South America is known for like, you know, parasite things, right? And different things like that. And I know when I went to Mexico, I got food poisoning in there because I was silly. It yeah. was my completely my own fault. And I decided to eat raw fish at a beach club and let my guard down. And I got wrecked with food poisoning. And now I'm dealing with, the, I'm just getting out of that after almost a year. Yeah. And so many people will go through an experience like that. And be unconscious to the fact that it wrecks their gut. Yes. Not have that pin and like, this is when it started. Yes. Like, oh yeah, my gut's just been wonky. Yep. Yeah. Food doesn't agree with me. And to your point, variety. You eat the same thing over and over and over again for a period of time, your body will in essence start to have an allergic response. Yes. And send it right through. And your beautifully prepped meals that hit your macros that you've been eating for six months all of a sudden, you're on the toilet five minutes after lunch every time. Yep. And you think it's just a phase. And then your body comp starts changing. Then you're in more pain and your sleep goes. And you're wondering, what is wrong with your program? Yeah. I'm yeah. eating all my macros. What yeah. could be going wrong? Yeah. And your training feels like crap. Your yeah. goals start falling off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all gut health. Like, I mean, you think about the human as a biological mechanism, right? And a biological thing, right? Entity. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's really interesting about that is uh, that... When you look at the body like that, you can actually start to understand like, okay, this thing is not like a set it and forget it type thing, right? Mm -mm. And that's what's been one of the biggest challenges for me is, is, is realizing that just because these foods work for me now, like I fall into that like so easily, you know, uh, like eating the same thing. I could eat, I could literally eat the same thing every night and be happy with it, right? Like Rachel, I'll be like, why, how can you eat the same things? I'm like, I think you did like, 
were people thinking this is a big subject we could jump down about cheats and everything like that? Yeah. Like I'm at a point now with my body where I enjoy feeling good. I yes. prioritize feeling good. So again, there are times and place where like, yeah, if I want to get a cookie or something, I'll, I'll get like an organic, like Siete shout out. I love you guys. They make the best cookies ever. Mexican wedding cookies. I don't even have a sponsor with them, but please go buy them. If you're, if you're health conscious, <laughs> they're amazing. And so it's like, I prioritize feeling good. So when someone's like, dude, you want to eat this cake? And it's like a shitty cake. It's not that I'm I'm not allowing myself to have that cake. It's just like that juice isn't worth the squeeze, right? It doesn't mean I don't allow myself to cheat. It doesn't mean I don't allow these things. But for me, food needs to be enjoyable, right? If we're going to put a need to something. And yeah. so it's funny how, especially men, I find this way. We can literally enjoy the same thing for dinner or any meal. We could, I mean, I could probably enjoy the same thing for three meals a day for the rest of my life if I wanted to. And it is that variety too, you know? Yeah. If your body would let you, I, I would do it. And yeah. I, I overdo chicken and rice. And I will go too long on that because it's easy to prep. I love it. You can season it easy. And my gut will tell me when it's time to switch. Yes. I, I, I tend to stick on chicken and rice and Brussels sprouts for too long. Mm-hmm. And then I switch to ground beef and couscous or mm-hmm. something. You know, it's how many rabbit holes have we dove down? Dude, quite a few, men, And yeah. they all lead back to this idea of sovereignty, right? Like everything we're talking about is basically, if we could sum it up in one sentence, it'd be like, be aware of how you feel physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And that brings up a really good point, actually, because I know for me, I fell into a pattern of perfectionism. Things need to be perfect Mm -hmm. to be right, right? And really, what I've found in the fucking ridiculous amount of money I've spent in self-development and myself, which, I mean, that that is the best investment you can make is on yourself. What I found is that if there is a version of perfection, I like to change perfection out, cross that out and put awareness. Because what is the only thing that you need to be doing, right, to to gain, quote unquote, what's perceived as perfectionism? Awareness, right? For instance, okay, I've been eating the same thing. It seems to be working good, but now I'm getting some different results. Okay, if you have that awareness, you can then move into, okay, what am I going to do about this? And then if you understand you're a sovereign being and it's your responsibility, you can be like, okay, I'm going to start experimenting as the scientist of my own life. Okay, maybe I'll change to ground beef and cook. Oh, that seems to be working better. Okay. Problem, quote unquote, fixed. Challenge accepted. When you talk about awareness, uh, my brother turned to me when we were in Aruba with the family when we were having this beautiful seafood dinner. So I ordered a glass of wine with it and I drank half the wine. I was like, I'm drying out. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Someone else can finish that. He goes, you're so self-aware. And when you get to where you're dialed in and your gut's happy, you can sit there in, in a meal and realize how this food is affecting you. Yeah. And to your point about cake. Like you get to a point where sugar just doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like it having that over sugar, like you give me like a gourmet, like chocolate cake, something that was baked yeah. well. Yeah. With cool. quality ingredients. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, it's a time to play. You can still play, right? Yeah. You can have your cake and eat it too. It just got to be gluten free. Right. <laughs> like, I, I want organic from the bean, dark chocolate, yes. not Hershey's. Yes. And there is a, there is a difference in those. A very big difference. One is engineered to be addictive. Mm-hmm. And so many people are stuck in that. And they'll mm-hmm. even be like, oh, yeah, haha, I'm addicted to sugar. Why are we joking about that? Like, that's one of the most addictive substances on the planet. Recognizes the brain as cocaine. Same yeah. reaction. Yeah. Right. And people don't go around telling everybody they're addicted to blow and they got an eight ball. <laughs> like, yeah. Not socially acceptable. Right. Sugar? Totally. Mm-hmm. Alcohol? Totally. And then caffeine? Totally. Caffeine. And it begs the question why have these become socially acceptable? Why are we in a state where caffeine to ramp us up and keep us going as opposed to promoting health? Yes. Because too many years with caffeine, our sleep cycles go, sleep cycles go, we develop Alzheimer's early. Mm-hmm. Now it's, there's so many things 
why is health back on the back shelf? Yes. Well, you know why? It's because of society's values, right? I mean, we could mm-hmm. talk about uh, a little bit of COVID in this too, not to go down that rabbit hole, which is a rabbit hole I don't intend to ever go down <laughs> negation and knowledge, but yep. we can we can touch on it because it, it relates to this. But it's really the values, right? The value in our society, I would imagine, is, and it's it's changing for sure, but the value that's created all this is that the top value of a human is productivity, right? So what things can help you be more productive? Well, caffeine to keep you awake, alcohol to put you to bed and sugar to keep you quote unquote happy, right? And tolerable through the whole process. And so, and then if you want to think about tobacco too, and how that was bastardized, I mean, that is your stress relief, right? So when things get too rough and you can't have alcohol, go smoke a cigarette. Dude, I, Paul Chuck said it perfectly on one of his shows. He's like Marlboro, all those cigarette companies, that's California wine with all the junk in it. Yes. Organic tobacco. That's the the good stuff. Biodynamic wine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. And it begs that question, you know, like the Dow talks about not too much, not too little. Mm -hmm. You know, what we're talking about is like, it's simply awareness, right? It's not saying you can never have a glass of wine. It's not saying you can't have a beer. If you enjoy beer, it's not saying you can't smoke a joint or, or even interact with tobacco, right? Or have sugar, right? It's just become aware. Or take DMT, right? It's like, just simply be aware of how these things affect you. So you know, like, hey, if I'm going on a really busy week, right, with work and it's going to be potentially like a challenge, maybe it's not the weekend to hit DMT, eat a bunch of sugar and drink a bunch of alcohol that's low quality. Yeah. Like have awareness, right? right? That's all it is. Yeah. And this is why people are so many, so many people are weakened by the weekend. Yes. They go into the weekend running from a life during the week and they fuck up their sleep cycles. Mm-hmm. They drink, they eat like crap because like, oh, it's the weekend. This is when I can eat however. Yeah. And they they're go forgetting. And, they're yeah. trying to forget. And they have poured, they poured sand into their fuel tank quite yes. literally. And they go into Monday hating Monday. Yes. Dude, I love Mondays. Yeah. You know how much time I get to recalibrate on the weekends? Yeah. Dial it in. Mondays are my most productive day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're setting yourself up for success. If you're living your life like omitting five-sevenths of your week, that is going to be a very challenging and less than full potential lived life, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's very interesting too because, you know, like we were talking about with values, you know, these things can really allowing yourself to know your core values allows for so much. Like my three right now are honor, liberation, and trust, Mm -hmm. right? Because I honor myself, I honor my relationships, I honor my business. Then I liberate myself, I liberate my relationships, and I liberate my business. I trust myself, I trust my relationships, I trust my business. And so that way, then when you combine the values with awareness, you can go, okay, like someone's passing you a joint, right? And maybe it's a Monday, right? And and you're in the middle of your workday, you own your own business. And you have that point. You're like, I honor myself. So right now, awareness-wise, am I dumb for work for the day, right? Maybe it's a day that literally I can be done. I got my stuff done. Right. And maybe this is an amazing conversation that I'm about to have that could potentially change my life. Okay, awareness, I honor myself. I honor myself by interacting with this medicine. Yeah. On the other side of that, though, maybe it's Monday and either you own your business or you don't. And someone's like, dude, it's nine in the morning. Let's smoke a joint. And you think about it and you're like, would that be honoring myself right now? Not that it's bad or good, right? But is it honoring how I feel, what I'm aware of, right? And that's when the life really gets more right brain, right? And that's where 
the rigidity and structure that is masculinity has room to flow and become feminine, right? Because it needs that balance. Mm-hmm. You know, what we've been talking about this whole episode is a lot of how our own personal experiences with being structured and rigid have come back to bite us. Yeah. And we know working from many with many men that that's a very big trend, right? And so what does the feminine allow us to do? It allows us to flow more, right? Think about like men, we love to build structure, right? Build rigidity, those kind of things. And then women love to tear it down, right? And if for anyone listening who might be like, what does that mean? Okay, here's what it means, right? So imagine this is what happened with Rachel, right? When I got with Rachel. So I, at this point, I'm full rigidity, right? Like I'm like, I never miss a day at the gym. You know, I'm I'm lifting heavy six days a week. My off day, I'm still doing yoga, doing Bikram yoga, actually, which is like the BDSM version of yoga. (laughs) And like, and so, you know, I'm doing all that. And like nothing gets in my way. Friends hit me up. Nope. Sorry. I'll be late. I'll spend all Saturday working. I'll, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time on this quote unquote priority of mine. Then I meet Rachel and, uh, we start, we working together. And then eventually we start like, you know, getting like into like, Oh, maybe we're going to date. And so we hang out. We end up, uh, doing mushrooms one night and I wake up pretty much three days later, right? Like haven't worked out. Like have eaten like uh, a little bit different than I normally do. Um, maybe haven't like had any of my normal routine, right? And I'm like, whoa, what happened, right? And in that, it was so fun, right? Like it was a beautiful experience. And so if you allow, if you allow that, if you are aware of that, right, then you get to understand like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of value in being rigid and structured. It's awesome, right? Like think about Rocky, right? But if you can't turn that off at a certain point, and especially in a relationship, right, mm-hmm. allow your woman to like tear down a little bit of your structure because that's medicine for men. Yeah. And then the rigidity is medicine for women. So it's we allow ourselves to be medicine for one another. And in every man and woman, there's masculine and feminine, right? So if you allow yourself to know like, yeah, I work hard through the week, right? I work, I, I go all out. And then on Saturday, I put my phone away and I play can jam with my friends and I smoke some cannabis and I just laugh. And that is my feminine energy coming through, right? Maybe I go to a spa day. I get myself a massage. I get those things. That is what allows you as a man to not burn out, right? Yes. That is the key. Connect to your heart, connect to the feminine, and you will not burn out like all the men around you. That's beautiful. And it's interesting you bring up mushrooms with that realization. I had a download a couple of years ago when I was with the mushroom with my brother. Mm. And it was in relationship to the trip and with life being the biggest trip of them all. Yeah. You can extrapolate it. You have to know that it's happening. You have to be there for it and be ready for what comes. And you have to take your hands off the reins sometimes yes. and let it come. Yes. Let it happen. Well, that's the biggest thing, right? So the male, like the masculine loves structure, right? It likes to be logical, right? And and it's I like my daily rhythm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a 100% a very good part of life where logic and reason and all these things, you know, again, expand your reason, but the idea of reason and all these things are very useful. The challenge is that the mind is a servile mechanism, right? So and this is what psychosomatic, uh, psychocybernetics broke down for me really well. Because you hear about the law of attraction, you hear about, you know, uh, uh, like, like surrender and all these things. And for me, like none of those things ever landed. I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. Right. And so for me, it was psychocybernetics actually breaking down like, no, this is actually, this makes sense. Right. Like you might think of like, yeah, feel into your experience as like woo woo. Right. And I get it. Like those terms, like make me think woo woo, not that that's a bad thing, but it's kind of like, how do I extrapolate that and actually make it make sense in my life? Yeah. Psychocybernetics broke it down. It was like, this is how the mind works. You create a goal, right? And then you visualize that goal. You get yourself into a high vibrational state through meditating through whatever, where your nervous system is downregulated. You're able to enter that heaven state that we talked about a while back in the episode. And then from there you create your vision. 
right? And then your main objective every day is just simply giving yourself however much time it takes to get in that high vibe state and feel your vision. And then from there, you take your hands off the wheel because you might say, I want to make $10,000 in the next month, right? And so you're thinking logically, that's going to come to me through clients, through fitness, whatever. And then all of a sudden you meet some millionaire at a party, right? Where you're completely turned off from your business identity. And all of a sudden they're like, man, I really like what you do. You know, I'm going to be traveling the next year, but how available are you? Like, could you just come with me the next year? I'm going to, you know, Abu Dhabi and then I'm going to be going to Mexico. And right. could you just come along? I'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars. And you're like, Oh shit, that's not what I wanted. That's when the surrender comes in. Yes. That's the full picture. That's, I have psycho, psycho cybernetics, psycho cybernetics yeah. on the bookshelf, dude. It's amazing. I will be cracking that open when I get home. And for any men listening, that book did a lot for me. It allowed a lot of the woo-woo, which I do believe in, but it just wasn't landing on me. It allowed it to be put into logical terms where I was like, oh, this is actually, we've just been taught the wrong, we've never been taught how the mind works. Yeah. We've never been taught the nature of the universe, the seven hermetic laws, like that actually all of this does make some bit of sense. We don't fucking know what it is, but it does make some sense and there's correlations and actually like quantifiable studies that show that when you're able to get yourself in this high vibrational state, when you're then able to create a vision of your future that excites you and then recite that vision to you while in that high vibrational state after doing breath work, whatever, and you're able to visualize that daily, that shit is going to come to you. And then it's up to you. The hardest part, the hardest part, the most challenging part is getting out of the way because that's what men want to do. They want to logic it and then they want to figure it out. The figuring it out part is the feminine part of the universe. It's It has its flow, yeah. right? That's, that's the most important part. Yeah. Put your bullet points and your lists and your, all your overanalyzation away. Yes. And take one step. Yes. Yeah. And that's where faith comes in, right? That's why religion, all of these religions talk about things that, that are amazing, right? I grew up being like, not an atheist by any means, but you know, I was a metalhead and I was agnostic and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Yep. And it was like, it was like, yeah, you know why religion didn't make any sense to me? Because I knew it was altered by man. Right. Yes. There were was, men like there were men who or women, too, who stopped having the direct experience of God or universe source, whatever word you want to call because God is charged. And they started reading about it. Mm-hmm. And when they started reading about it, the, then it started becoming like more rigid. Oh, you have to go to the certain place. You have to do these things. You have to abide by these 10 rules. It became more rigid and it wasn't the direct experience. They stopped being human beings and started being human doings. Exactly. And when we if we can go all the way back, even at, even at the beginning of Christianity, there was a lot more to it before the Spanish Inquisition and government takeover of Christianity. Uh, And we start looking at some of the old pagan religions. A lot of those guys had more of this stuff that we're talking about right here figured out than most of the world does today. Yes. And we call them savages or, you know, the, the medieval people or, Mm -hmm. you know, prehistoric. Yeah. And you think about these grunting people and look at the pyramids and the structures they built and the civilizations they had. Mm -hmm. And when Greece was ransacked, 90% of text was burned. Yeah. Like, and was that a coincidence? Uh, right? Yeah. It's very interesting to get into. And Paul says another great quote, which is, if you need scripture, you're not enlightened. And if you're enlightened, you don't need scripture. Right? Mm. Because, again, it's like we, especially as men, I know this. I'm a 5-1 projector. So, like, the one is the truth seeker. I love discovering information. But at the end of the day, wise is the man who knows he does not know. Right? So, like, even though you love truth seeking, right, you can you can realize that there's a certain point or a certain part of ex- the experience of life that you don't need to understand and be able to uh, tell someone exactly quantifiably what's happening. You just need to have faith that is real. Right. And that's where like plant medicine experiences. People are like, what did you what, how was it? And they're like, 
dude, there was no words, but it was amazing, right? Yes. It's because the, it was not logical. It was an experience. And an experience is a feeling, right? A sensation, right? And that is true, right? It's, it's yeah. the truth, right? Like that happened. And then when we try to put words to it, we're, we're, we're damned by the confines of the language we're using, especially if we're looking at the English language where you think about a lot of the things that are normal to say to one another. Good morning, right? Now, what else is morning associated with? Mourning someone's death, right? Mm-hmm. Weekend. You're weakened by yep. the weekend, right? All of these things, you know, and so, you know, the English language, if there is a conspiracy that I'd love to jump into, you know, like even for a couple of seconds, it's that, you know, like there are a lot of words in the English language for things like anxiety, scared, frightened, all of these things, right? And a lot of them, like our language is constructed like, oh, don't worry about it, right? Well, what are you going to think about when I say don't worry about it? You're going to think about yeah. worrying about it, right? So it's like that's what we're talking about with language. Like television. Yeah, tell a vision. Tell yeah. my vision. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. It's a big it's thing. It's real. Yeah. And I mean, we know from working with language and some people who may have not delved into this game as deeply are like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I know it's just a TV. It's just this box where I watch things. Well, I mean, the news is a for-profit organization. Mm-hmm. So it is no longer the news. It's for entertainment and it's sensationalized. Yeah. And they're riding that, that nervous system response because caffeine is so popular, because alcohol is so popular, because, you know, doing, <laughs> doing what you think you need to do for money, not what you love is so popular. People's nervous systems are high strung. And so the news meets that with a lot of fear, right? Mm-hmm. And I get this a lot. People saying, you don't watch the news. How do you know what's going on? Right. And, and here's my answer for that. There's seven and a half billion people in the world and the world is a big place. Anything is happening right now. You could literally anything you can think of is happening right now. Where are you going to put your attention? What do you yes. want to focus on? Because that's what grows. I mean, Nietzsche said, wh- wh- "What you look at is what you see." Exactly. And how many people watching the news are actually in a position where they can do anything to change it? Especially when they're watching something that is specifically set up to make them feel fear and scared and like they can't do anything. When it's yeah, it's broadcast for an agenda. Exactly. For more control. Yeah. Yeah. Like how many people have you met that watch the news daily that are striking examples of success, happiness wise, relationship wise, business wise? I haven't met one. Yeah. I have a download that came to me that I'm going to search for Mm. because it was off of a Paul Chet quote of Mm. God is a sphere whose center is everywhere. Circumference is nowhere. Yes. And the internet, Wi-Fi, and cellular data are to spiritual connectivity to all things what Western medicine is to plant medicine. In an age where we are becoming more and more artificially connected to ourselves, each other, and the earth, we have at the same time reached a precipice on the far edge from true medicine. False connection and false medicine make for a comfortable, docile, controlled populace. Absolutely. It's the domestication of human beings, right? Like, that's what it is. I mean, really what we've been talking about this whole time is how to undomesticate yourself, right? Because... What are like That's we talked about my program is called the primal man path. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude. It is true. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, you think about people like Jimi Hendrix, like think about anyone who really made a difference. Right. Mm-hmm. Bob Marley, any of these people that really made a difference. Gandhi. I mean, Martin Luther King, they were being their wild self. They were not taking domestication kindly. Yes. Yeah. And if you ask uh, a man who's been in the system and done what he's been told he's supposed to do, you get him in a serious conversation. You ask him, do you know who you truly are? Who you are energetically built to be. I've asked it to a few guys before that are considering working with me. And they most common response is they go quiet. You can see them kind of deflate, eyes glass over. And they just kind of quietly go, no. So they've never even asked themselves that question. 
They take all the stuff that's been fed to them about who are you supposed to be? Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to this building for eight hours a day. Do what somebody tells you. Go home. Take some work home. Come back the next morning. Oh, and uh, drink more caffeine so you're more productive at work. Use the alcohol to de-stress as opposed to finding a better situation. And yeah, have fun. Oh, and by the way, here's some painkillers. And Chase, don't worry. After 40 years, you'll be able to retire at 65 if you're lucky. And then you can go live yeah. with your older body. And then you can go live. <laughs> or we can live. And when you live and you truly live, then you can create a living. And I'm not talking about an income. Yes. I'm talking about a living. So many people think like, oh, I want to make a living. And they do it with some boring analyst job that bores them to death with a boss that they hate. They have great benefits. And they have great benefits and they're making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. They're not making a living. Mm-hmm. And when you make a living, you may have less financial income. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd wager that that will grow to more in the long run. Mm-hmm. And you're truly living. You are creating a living. And you know what happens when you do that? You're not so, you don't feel it so necessary to buy the newest car, or get the newest house and keep yourself in that financial dominance because... The only reason that I've ever done that is because I've been trying to distract myself the same way I've done it with cannabis in the past, the same way I've done it with tobacco, the same way I've done it with exercise. I mean, I've had phases throughout my life. I've gone through all these things, and now I'm able to actually interact with pretty much anything with awareness, right? doesn't mean I get it right every time, but it means I'm aware of if I don't get it, quote unquote, right, which is in the highest alignment for me, maybe why that happened, right? And then I laugh at it, and I go on with my life. <laughs> to your point about cars, dude, I... I had a 1997 Jaguar XK8 that was my late grandfather's mm. and a 1988 Camaro in pieces. Mm. And so many men would hold on to those toys regardless of the amount of debt their household is in. Mm-hmm. It's like, these are my things. Mm-hmm. I sold the Jaguar to my aunt. I parted out the Camaro. We paid off all my wife's credit cards and most for student loans. Mm. I had a 2020 Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro, like top trim, badass truck. One of those trucks that like a lot of people would be like, this is my truck. My truck is me. Yeah. This yeah. Is my rifle. There are many like, yeah. This is <laughs> and I drove it for a year and I loved that truck. It was awesome. And then I sold it and I bought a 2007 forerunner with over a hundred thousand miles on it for cash. Because when you can pull yourself apart from those possessions, possessions possessed, I mean, come on. Yes. It's, it's right there. Absolutely. They're possessing you at the end of the day. Look at my car. Look at my jewelry. Look at my house. Look at my pool. That's cool. Like you bought that fancy car to run away from the stories in your head. And now you're associating your achievement achievements with pain and it is fueling your imposter syndrome because your achievements aren't bringing any true happiness to you. So where does that go? Well, shit, I guess I got to buy more stuff and toss it into the void. Well, really, you're just feeding a big, giant black hole. And what is the belief there, right? One of the beliefs could be, if I am unable to buy new things, then someone might actually see me, right? Mm -hmm. And yikes, right? What a scary thing to think about, right? And I might actually have to see me. Yeah. And that's like, forget other people. Like the scariest thing that I've seen is people having to see themselves. Scariest and most freeing. Because a lot of people think, that you're going to be stuck for a lot longer than you are. Yes. And when you see yourself and you recognize that you're talking to yourself a lot worse than you talk to any family member or any friend, and you can say, what if I give myself permission to love me? Mm-hmm. And like that, that simple little, it's like, oh, wait, I do love me. Yeah. Oh, 
wow, that feels good to say. Yes. How else can I feel good with my language? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this snowball effect. You just tip them over the edge. That's why one of the, I dropped it a little while ago, but it's worth repeating. You know, the question that literally guides me through my experience of every day of my life is what would someone who loves themselves do? When I'm like, when I'm, for instance, when I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little lazy, but I'm really excited to move. It's like, what would someone who loves themselves do? Go out and move. Right. Yep. But also in that same vein, when I'm on my fourth deadlift set and maybe I'm like, dude, this last set, I really feel like my form is going to go south, but I got to get the numbers. What would someone who loves themselves do? They would give themselves the grace to go. You crushed it in four sets. That was perfect today. Yep. That's, I mean, perfect example. Last Tuesday, my last uh, barbell session before I came out, I had snatches. I had some cleans. And then I had one and a quarter barbell back squats. Super set it with uh, stiff-legged deadlifts because my coach is mean. <laughs> <laughs> and I have an imbalance in my left leg, and I know that. And when I'm fresh, I can control it and stay square mm -hmm. and get that. I do single leg work to work it out too. fitness mm. coaches out there. Yeah. <laughs> and the snatches have been good and they're a little less crisp than usual. Mm. All right. I'm good. I roll into the back squats and the first set at 225, which is usually doable square. I'm like, I look like John Travolta with my hips. Yeah. <laughs> like just side to side. Yeah. Way up. I was like, all right, I'll go down to 185. And I was square and I could still feel, I'm like, I'm I'm not getting anything from this session. I'm going to walk away beat down more so than yeah. You're ready reinforcing to a bad pattern, right? Yeah. Bad and, quote unquote. And even when I went light enough to reinforce a good pattern, I was spent. I was drained. So how am I going to affect any positive change in my body? Yeah. So what do I do? Because I love myself. I walk out of the gym. I understand that I've still kept a consistent routine over the last 20 years now, and one day of half a workout is going to mean more full workouts in the future. And it's worth repeating too that, you know, we only get so much masculine energy per day. And if you go mm -hmm. super hard in the gym every day, you're not going to have anything left to give your partner, your business, your kids, your friends. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a real thing. And I, I honestly feel that's not talked about enough in the exercise world, right? Like, yeah, I do two a days, do that, right? And, but it's not gonna, I mean, personally, you're gonna have to be extremely diligent to make sure you have enough energy in the tank if you have a lot of different like yep. irons in the fire. Yeah. And so for me, I go to about 80%. Yes. And I can, and that allows me to stay consistent six days a week, right? And, and also I always binary language acknowledge and strategic give myself the, the out. I know at this point that I can go past any perceived mental like, oh, I, I couldn't do that. I can go past anything I want. I can no pain, my gain, no pain, no gain my way through anything. Right. But what is that really helping at this point? Like, okay, I proved it to myself that I can break through mental barriers. But at this point, it's like I'm almost too good at doing that sometimes where it's almost like it's not enough unless I'm breaking through some barriers. And that's not a point you want to be at because, again, what would someone who loves themselves do? Not beat the shit out of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you're working a full-time job and you have a mortgage and possibly a family and you're doing two-a-days and you're doing them well and you're making progress, you are neglecting other pieces of your life. If you're yes. getting enough sleep, if you are eating enough and hydrating enough and doing the recovery work needed when you're doing two-a-days – you're taking pieces away from work, from your spouse, from your kids, and you're being more than selfish. Mm. Like a certain level of selfish of working on you allows you to be there for people. Yes. And we can go down that rabbit hole. I'd love to. And when you are truly just a selfish prick because you're too scared to look at what's going on inside mm -hmm. and you, you're like, well, I do two a days. And because of that, I have... 18 inch biceps, or I can run a mile in, you know, four minutes while I'm, when I'm 40 years old, that's cool. 
How's your wife? Yeah. yeah. How's your job? Have you been promoted at all? Or is it, is it all your boss's fault? Even mm-hmm. though, even when you're at work, your energy is on your fitness. Yes, dude. These are all such incredible topics. And I'm so glad we got to riff on all of these because they really all lead back to this simple idea. Uh, not simple, not yet easy, right? Yes. For most of us, I know I was one of them that really awareness is the key. And really, what energy are you putting into your life in general? Are you putting an energy that says, I love myself? Or are you putting an energy that says, I hate myself? And therefore, I'm not willing to accept that I might be the challenge, right, in my life. Because the only way we grow is by taking ownership. That's the only way we grow, right? And that's why, like, with all my mentors, I tell them, give it to me straight. Yes. I realize it might sting a little bit, but all I'm interested in is being the best me possible. So if someone says, hey, that episode was great, but I noticed this thing and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, awesome. I'll fix that the next time. Like I have, I, I, I speak criticism fluently. You yes. know, that's what I choose to believe. Because to me, anyone who truly loves me will want to see me be the best me and they'll give me those tips. Yes. And that's, oh man, a true friend will call you out. Yes. A true friend. And I've, I've been that guy in a situation before where I, I say something like uh, a, a buddy talking about his girlfriend or something and like calling her names. And then another one of the buddies like piling on, like, why are we calling her names? Yeah. You know, why, how does that solve anything? Why don't we look at it from why is she in the spot she's in? Yeah. You know, and, or, you know, we could, we could speak like adults and, and look at it that way because right now we're being children. Yes. And it's funny in a sense that it's not funny. It's weird that it's weird to do that yes it's weird that it's weird people get (laughs) they get aggro yeah (laughs) yeah it's like oh why can't you just let me vent yeah well why do you need to vent this is another one i like to use if you're using the gym or alcohol to vent why is the pressure building up why do you always need to hit the release valve Mm -hmm. answer that and then everything becomes easier and it ultimately ends up the answer is because of me yeah that's the only correct answer yeah and i know I realize how challenging this can be to hear and try it on. On the other side of it, you'll be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's the one side everyone talks about. Admit ownership, right? Yeah. But that also means on the other side, you can take ownership of all the stuff you've done right, all the things that continue to propel you forward. And ultimately, you can be like, yeah, I get things, quote unquote, wrong every once in a while. And you know what? I learn from every single one of them and I get through it. If the gym was easy, right, would you enjoy it? Hmm. No, no. To quote, uh, to use Matthew McConaughey's thing, every red light turns green sooner or later. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that is. It's a patience game. Yes, exactly. It's fucking awesome, man. Fucking awesome. Dude, this was a fucking blast, man. Yes. We went down so many rabbit holes and this was pure flow for everyone listening. I mean, Lakehouse does this vacation vibration, man, to the yes. max. Yes. Where can I send people to learn more about you, to work with you, to find out more about art and fitness and all the things you do? So Instagram right now is the go-to at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson. You can find out all about, I have Ardent Fitness linked in my bio. I have my personal program, Primal Man Pathway linked in the bio. You can find out more about my message there. Uh, the website, chasetolleson.com will be up and running shortly. So. Hell yeah, dude. And the same question I love to ask everyone at the end, if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Chase Tolson suggest that change be? Hmm. I love that question. <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> and it's one of those. It's like, well, it's like, what what's do I their do? life look yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for a 45-minute walk while breathing in your belly. No phones. Mm. And whatever noise comes up in your head, 
grab a pen and write it down. And I'll give you a prompt. While you're on that walk, ask yourself why you're not doing the things you know you should be doing. And be honest. Be honest. And start writing. And when you read it back, ask yourself if you were honest. Because, I mean, you can lie to a lot of people and they might believe you. But when you look in the mirror at the end of the night, that person knows. Yeah. That that child within you knows that you're not giving him or her uh, the full experience of life and you're lying to them. I will say as one last nugget, more often than not, the people that know you will realize when you're lying to yourself. Yes. Whether they consciously acknowledge it or if it's a rift inside them that just makes them uneasy around you, they yes. will, they will see it. So if you feel a rift and you know, there's work to be done, know that the people around you feel that too. Mm-hmm. And if you want to improve for your relationships, your job, you got to work on you. Yes. Spoken like a true gangster, man. <laughs> Sitting here with one. Guilty as charged. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so guys, as I am sure all of you can see, getting Chase on the show to riff was a no-brainer. His ability to speak to many of the challenges men face in our lives is something I feel is not only extremely needed in the world, but is also, once again, a perfect example of how Chase leads by example to show the men around him how much more fulfilling life can be when they unpack what they're carrying go from boys to men, and become the heroes of their own story. If you listened to this and felt the call to go deeper into your masculinity, or if you're a woman who just listened to this and feel Chase could assist one of the men in your life, reach out to him today to begin making the changes that will lead to the rest of your life. In addition, if you love the show and want to show us some love, I would be so, so grateful if you could pop over to iTunes and leave us reviews and ratings as it helps us grow the show and get the message out to more and more people. Chase, thank you so much again for riffing with me today and for bringing the fullest version of yourself to this conversation. And until next time, journey well, thank you. Much love over to you. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, 
design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.